0: Welcome to Asia Abridged, where we highlight the best moments from Asia Society events. I'm Eric Fish. The United States invaded Afghanistan to overthrow the Taliban government in the wake of the September 11th terrorist attacks, and the country's been at war ever since. The number of American troops in the country peaked at around 100,000 in 2010. Then the U.S. officially ended combat operations there in 2014. Around 8,000 troops remained to support their Afghan counterparts. But since that time, the Taliban insurgency has strengthened, gaining control of more than 40% of the country, according to some reports. In August, the Trump administration announced that around 4,000 additional U.S. troops would be sent. Afghan President Ashraf Ghani, who was elected in 2014, recently spoke with CNN journalist Fareed Zakaria at Asia Society in New York. In these clips, he discusses his thoughts on Trump and the status of his country's ongoing war.
1: You are one of the few world leaders, I think, who has generally been happy with the Trump administration. I am. And have you had any personal interactions with the president? Absolutely. How how does he strike you? Uh, We have had wonderful conversations, flowing. And and he seems, just just give me a sense of your perception of him from those phone conversations.
2: Engaged, informed, and... uh, Uh, determined to see and hear, but it requires immense preparation. If you want to keep him engaged, you better be informed and communicate everything significant in two minutes. It's the standard thing that you're formed When one comes on your program, you know, the first training that I got when I interacted with Farid Zakaria was that, if you have a message, don't take more than two minutes to
1: deliver. It's the same with President Trump. I will, I, will, I will take that as a compliment. <laughs> it um, is. It's meant as well. <laughs> um, is his strategy significantly different from President Obama's? After all, the number of troops that, that seem to be uh, increased is not very significant.
2: It is different. Uh, I think several differences are involved here. First, with all modesty, President Obama did not have a partner in Afghanistan. President Trump is not just an individual, a team as partners in Afghanistan. We own our problems today. No one has to preach to us about corruption being an evil. No one has to compel us to saying that your security sector needs reform, your justice sector needs reform, your economy. And particularly, no one needs to tell us that you need to reach out to the region. After 117 years, Afghanistan is firmly a part of Central Asia again. Central Asia, for the first time, is looking south. The second element is that President Obama, for whom I have enormous respect and appreciation, because he uh, really, the reappraisal of his strategy in light of the sacrifices of our forces and our commitment was the foundation for the current administration's approach. We cannot ignore that. And, you know, President Obama. Asked as tough as a series of questions as President Trump. But at the end, he changed his mind and renewed the commitment, which ensured uh, our survival. And you were not president at that time? No, I was president. You were? I was. It's after 2014. 2014, okay. Because during that time, in 2014. You're not referring to the original. No, no, am speaking. I'm, I'm, speak, I'm okay. speaking. The original strategy was arrived internally. Right. It, the, Trump administration strategy is in the uniqueness of immense consultation with us. But again, how is it different? How is it different? How it's, it's different in the sense that it focuses on the fundamental political regional problem. The examination of Pakistan has never been as thorough in the message for the need for Pakistan to engage and become a
0: responsible stakeholder in the region and in the fight against terrorism has never been this clear. Donald Trump has taken a harder line on Pakistan than his predecessor, Barack Obama. He's threatened to cut off economic assistance if it doesn't become more cooperative and cracking down on militants based there that launch attacks in Afghanistan. Pakistani officials have responded that Trump is just blaming them for the US's own failures. What should we make of the reports we get that
1: 46% of the country is under Taliban control? Or you see a report that says, Every time American forces and Afghan national forces withdraw from some village or area, it is taken over by the Taliban. It seems to give a sense of hopelessness to, to those who want to support Afghanistan.
2: Well, uh, this is product of the slum dunk remark on Iraq. Uh, it's because of the way figures are kept. So an enemy now, the CIA and related intelligence agencies are so careful to record every uh, armed group attack, but they don't report back on when territory is taken back. Second, the Taliban have not been able to take a single province. Their aim in 2014, when I became president, was twofold. One, to bring the government down. And that was their universal belief that the Afghan army won't fight, that one political class will be too divided, that the economic transition would be too hard, etc. No success. Second, to divide the, the political geography into two so that they would have a province, minimally, or at least their ultimate goal was five to six provinces. They've not succeeded in this. Is fighting been hard? Absolutely. But if you look at the fighting in 2015, 2016, and 2017, our armed forces today are in the best position they've been uh, in the last years. Additionally, 100,000 American uh, and international troops with l- hundreds of planes, helicopters, etc., were fighting in between 2009 and 2014. They all left. We filled the gap. And it's like a teenager suddenly taking responsibility for a family and having to perform the job of a 30-year-old. We have grown, and institutionally we've changed. Where is the weakness? The strength is that the Afghan Army, particularly our commander force, that are second to none in the region, are able to take every single location in the country. We've not had the police forces with the capability to hold them. So our next phase of reform is
1: precisely oriented towards the police. But it's not that the Taliban have political support in these areas? No, they don't.
2: don't. don't. On the contrary, Taliban are becoming less and less popular. They've gone, it's a sign of weakness to attack a mosque. It's a sign of weakness, not strength, to kill people, soldiers who are praying. It's a sign of weakness to attack civilians in broad daylight Blowing bombs, truck bombs particularly, does not make you popular. They need to understand that society does not support violence, particularly a society that has suffered 40 years of violence. So as a result, look at any public survey. This is the most unfortunate consequence of this, is that now that the diplomatic environment has become... Feasible for peace, public attitudes towards peace might hurt. We need to engage back with our population in intense dialogue, because the wounds are too fresh. I have to take the long view. But how am I to explain to a person who's lost a sister, to a mother who's lost uh, her child, to a husband whose wife is blown to bits, to a grandfather whose grandson, or vice versa. This, the Taliban did not calculate, and their supporters needed to advise them much better. The other component we need to really come to, what's driving the war? Without drugs, this war would have been long over. This is another component, which is transnational crime, because the heroin is a very important driver of this war. Colombia, has been extremely useful for me as a point of reference, both under President Turabi and under President Santos, because if we don't understand the linkage between, between transnational crime and transnational terrorist
1: organization, where does their financing come? So but how do you end that? Yeah, Afghanistan has the unenviable rep, um, distinction of being the world's largest opium producer. Indeed, indeed, but this is
2: precisely where we need to focus, to make sure the potential, the economic potential is immense. Regional economic cooperation will provide an alternative. Thailand was able to do this, one of the few countries that did it successfully. We can move to a different dynamic, but the fundamental issue is to take the political factor out of the criminal factor. Because today, crime is justified. Meaning, by, meaning what? Explain how you Meaning speak. engaging in a peace process, making sure that there are no sanctuaries, no networks of support, and that when we face terrorism, and unfortunately the problem of terrorism is a different problem. It's a more medium term problem. Then people can rally in support of that. But when it's mixed with the elements of <laughs> domestic disputes bordering on a civil war, etc., it complicates. This complexity will be reduced so that then we can focus on the threat of transnational terrorism and transnational crime with a much more coherent uh,
1: focus and approach. When Americans heard President Trump's uh, uh, decision to expand uh, both the number of troops and also the rules of engagement, I think many of them thought, will this ever end? You know, uh, what was your message? What are the conditions under which you imagine American troops can, can withdraw? And do you think that that will happen anytime soon? Well, first of all,
2: American troops are not re-engaging in combat. The transition, the security transition that was completed in 2014 is not being revisited. So they're just in retraining, they're training. They're training, they're advised training and assist mission. Uh, except for counter terrorism, that's a different phenomenon. We cooperate uh, with each other. Second, the number is very modest. During President Obama, it was a massive surge in increase in numbers. Uh, so this is a sustainable proposition. Third, we have a four year plan. It's in support of that four year plan that we articulated, and I'd like to pay tribute to General Nicholson and all his colleagues the commander of the, uh, of the military forces, as well as the key generals. Uh, in the past, General Dunford, uh, Votel, uh, Scaparatti, Thomas, and others, who've all served. We have, uh, Farid, we have had the advantage that American generals know us extremely well, because they're all a very significant number of veterans of Afghanistan, including Secretary Mattis, who was among the first to arrive in Kandahar, and General Kelly, who lost his son in Helmand. The advantage of this knowledge is that they can discern both intention and performance. We have convinced a very hard jury that reform of our security forces is real. Today a three-star Afghan uh, uh, general for the first time in our history is serving a prison sentence because in Helmand uh, uh, he misused fuel that was intended for soldiers. This has convinced them Within the four-year plan, we think we can consolidate. And the second component that is most important is the political clarity of the South Asia strategy. And third is the wider regional realignment that is taking place. The region is seriously concerned about the threat of terror and hence both our work, for instance with China. When I became president, it, it was my privilege to facilitate trilateral dialogue and it got formalized between China, United States, and Afghanistan. This outreach is creating the grounds. I think we are not talking decade
0: or long. We are talking some limited years. Thanks for listening to Asia Abridged. If you want to hear more you can visit our show page at AsiaSociety.org podcast where you can also find the link to the full video of this event. You can also subscribe on iTunes or follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Asia Society.